Hi, I'm Rob Villeneuve, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Teaching your team to give positive and negative feedback in a thoughtful, respectful, and professional manner is key to engagement. When you lay these kinds of ground rules, you avoid defensiveness and attacks, and instead bring everyone together to recognize and act on valuable feedback. Employees feel safe hearing negative feedback when they know it will be delivered thoughtfully, and they feel safe giving negative feedback when they know there won't be repercussions. The key takeaway, with ground rules in place, you can celebrate and embrace negative feedback as we do at Rebel. It leads to the most meaningful change. Learn how to get the most of your payments through simple, safe, and smart card transactions. Visit MasterYourCard.org forward slash Canada for tips to master small business security. Master your card with MasterCard Canada. Is your startup financially fit? Join 10,000 entrepreneurs across Canada building financial foundations with Intuit QuickBooks. Attend a Startup Foundations workshop online or in a startup community near you and receive a free one-year subscription to QuickBooks Online. Visit www.startupcan.ca forward slash finance today to register. You need to be available when a customer needs to reach you. Business depends on it. Rogers Unison provides the powerful features of a traditional desk phone in a simplified and truly mobile solution. No apps to download and launch. No mobile data usage charges for phone calls. No need to pay for unused landlines or desk phones. And the ability to route incoming calls to whoever's available. No more missed calls. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash unison. Paid faster. Create and send professional email invoices in minutes with PayPal. Join over 250,000 Canadian businesses using PayPal to accept payments. Get started today at www.paypal.ca forward slash small business. Disruption, investment, work life balance delving deep on the topics that matter most for entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across the country. With day in the life stories and in their shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale up companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to visit the iTunes store to subscribe and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I am your host, Rivers Corbett, founder and CEO of Coaching by Rockstars. Ever thought about a career as a business coach? Coaching by Rockstars teaches business coaches how to build a successful coaching business from scratch. Visit 
coachingbyrockstars.com for more information. All right. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, and it's a great honor to be here with Andrea Palmer. She's the CEO and co-founder of Awake Labs, which is a Startup Canada award winner and an all-around force to be reckoned with. And I actually had a good chance to review some of my script today and is indeed a force to be reckoned with. Awake Labs is an autism health company committed to empowering those living with autism, passionate about creating social impact, quantified healthcare, and democratizing technology. Andrea is changing lives through entrepreneurship. In 2016, she was awarded with the Startup Canada Award, Young Entrepreneur Award in the BC and the North Region. And earlier in the year, she represented Canada among 30 of the world's leading startups as the Canadian winner of Start Tel Aviv, a global competition organized in Canada by Startup Canada and the Embassy of Israel in Canada. Today's interview is going to be talking about all kinds of things related to technology applications in healthcare, lessons learned from international investors, and how young entrepreneurs can make the most of global opportunities. Andrea, wow, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Well, look, you're a self-described exponential tech geek. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, <laughs> so last summer, or I guess two summers ago now, in 2015, I had the privilege to attend uh, Singularity University's Global Solutions Program. And Singularity University is really all about exponential technologies. And those are the technologies that are rapidly advancing our development as society due to their increase um, accessibility through lowering price points and um, getting smaller and faster and um, smarter, I guess, overall. And so mm -hmm. I, since then, I guess I drank the Kool-Aid and I am <laughs> all about um, following those types of trends. So like digital biology, how do you hack bacteria and the body and stem cells to make our healthcare and our food supplies and all of that better and faster? And how do you use machine learning and artificial intelligence to advance all kinds of things about our society. Um, and yeah, you know, nanotechnology, all of those uh, incredible things that kind of follow Moore's law and that exponential curve um, that are helping us be better and do better as, as humans. Wow, I can tell you're passionate about it. Just, <laughs> I, I can uh, I can hear your smile here for sure. Very cool. So let's let's kick over to uh, the idea for Awake Labs. Where did where did that come from, and uh, how did you turn the idea into an up and coming company? Well, Awake Labs started as a school project at uh, UBC. There was a course called New Venture Design, and it pairs uh, three technical people, usually engineers, with three business-minded people, usually business students. Mm -hmm. um, and your goal is to come up with an idea for a product and prototype it and have a plan to bring it to market. And occasionally, companies are actually launched out of that um, that course. And so I took it in my final year uh, with two other engineers and um, some other friends. And we were looking at the big problem that is mental health in the workplace and how um, heightened stress levels increase mental health challenges for workers, but also um, affect bottom line for companies and, and how they would then be motivated to um, 
to invest in something that would help keep their workers healthier. And over time, we realized that if you can measure stress and anxiety, all the things that you can do with that. Uh, but then we started looking at, you know, who else has stress and anxiety. And we started mm -hmm. looking in the nonverbal populations who have heightened anxiety levels because they're not communicating in ways that people are used to um, to hearing, I guess. We're, we're used to listening with our ears and, and people who are nonverbal can't communicate in that way. So how can we use something, uh, how could we develop something that would help um, people in that field? And when we started talking to people in the autism community, we realized it was way more than being verbal or not. It was this ability to um, give individuals uh, a better understanding of their surroundings, a better understanding of their own emotion and their caregivers to know how they're feeling so they can help them and support them to be healthier and happier overall. So that's really where Awake Labs came from. It's a really long, really long answer for you. But um, the more people we talked to in the autism community, we realized it was uh, it was the place to be and we could have a huge impact by, by creating this um, assistive technology uh, for autistic people to better navigate the world. And it's not a long answer. It's a great answer, by the way. <laughs> Thank I, you. I love it. It is the story. It is what it is. And it's it's very inspiring. And your first product from Awake Labs is called Reveal. Um, there's a couple of questions that I have uh, that I, you know, it's specifically related to detect and report on anxiety and stress levels for people with autism. But, you know, um, what is it? What does it look like? What is Is it a watch? Is it a, you know, do you, can you kind of explain what it, what it looks like and also I'm interested how did you come up with the name reveal <laughs> um well, wow, that's a cool question uh, or a cool answer, I guess. Um, the So what it looks like is it's a wrist-based wearable and a supporting okay. smartphone application. So on the wearable, it measures heart rate, um, a measurement called electrodermal activity, which is basically sweat or perspiration mm -hmm. and skin temperature. And we look at those um, indicators over time and we can present that information to a smartphone um, for parents and caregivers to have a better context of what's going on, um, how that child is feeling, and also be able to better support them in the classroom um, and in the long run, increase independence um, overall. And then eventually we'll be able to provide that feedback directly to the person who's um, who's wearing Reveal. And the name Reveal really came from uh, the idea of revealing emotion or revealing mm. stress um, to help you know, provide that insight um, where there there is really uh, a disconnect before. And what has been the response from people you were using reveal? Are they uh, was it um, uh, you know big smiles? Was it oh my gosh, what is this thing doing? It's kind of been the the initial responses. And I know you've uh, you've obviously had more than one out there now, but what was that first person like that used it? Um, so the. We're still in the product development phase, so we haven't okay. shipped any products yet. Um, but we have we have a first kind of trial going on with um, with seventy eight families in BC in the Greater Vancouver area, and it's it's amazing how willing people are to uh, bring you into their homes and and 
use the resources that they have to support mm. this development for their child and for all children on the autism spectrum. Um, and we've had people from all over the world, from Finland, Australia, um, wow. from Fort St. John, BC, which is like northeastern BC, willing to yeah. drive down to Vancouver to be part of these trials. Yes. Um, and we had to we had to turn those people away, but um, <laughs> they really want to support this development because they know how much their family could use it and how All much right. it could change the life for people um, everywhere. That's got to make you smile. And I, you know, I said I, I, I could hear your smile, but it's, <laughs> you, you really has got to uh, be uh, something that you look back and say, wow, I am just so proud of what we're doing as a company. It's incredibly motivating. That's that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Good good for you. Awesome stuff. Well, um, now they moved from uh, – they, they drove down from northeast um, BC. They were to willing Van- to. They, did a, ah, they didn't okay. actually drive down. We had to turn <laughs> okay. them away. Uh, okay. For this for this version because we were in really early um, testing phases, but once right. we have the product fleshed out a little bit more, then we'll be willing to send one to them uh, nice, to nice. see so how it operates in their community. That's so cool. Well, uh, you you've actually have moved on from Vancouver. You're now hanging out in Toronto, and you've had the opportunity to take your company global. I'm curious what uh, what was the fa- what were some of the factors that made you make that move to Toronto. There are a number of factors. Um, One of them is really Toronto is just a much bigger city than Vancouver. Um, And the trial I was mentioning, my business partner, Paul, travels up to three hours to test with one family um, from Vancouver to Chilliwack. And it's just, Uh, it's a lot of our time and resources to be able to find families to test with. Um, And Toronto, just with the population density, it's it's easier and, and and people are closer together to do that. And there's also way more research going on in the in this area. Um, there's a lot of genomics research in Vancouver yeah, yes. around autism, but in, in yeah. Toronto, it's um, really more around this um, applied uh, therapy and, and feedback and things like that. Um, so being close to the hospitals and the universities that are doing that. And then Toronto and Montreal and this whole area is really a hub for AI and machine learning. Um, yes. And there are so many people graduating with um, with that expertise and, and people looking to be involved in that movement. And that's the core um, underlying technology that we're, that we're using. And so being able to hire people in this area um, is, uh, is a lot better. And then there's also manufacturing and um, Vancouver is very much a nine to five city, like with the mountains and the beaches, you know, people after work, you go out um, and you enjoy nature, whereas Toronto, it's a little bit easier to focus on your work um, and not get distracted by all the amazing nature around. Um, not that cool. it's not a beautiful city, but it definitely uh, can't compare to Vancouver in that in that regard. That's awesome. Um, the uh, you just described factors uh, that were important to you and your company and to your clients um, when it came to moving to Toronto. Any advice for just startups in general uh, on key factors that uh, that you think are important to uh, in making that decision as to where they should locate? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to really decide what's important to you um, and who can be there to support you in those decisions. Um, So we've met a lot of really amazing mentors in Vancouver and in Toronto. Um, So that wasn't necessarily our our main 
our main decision, our main factor. But as I said, hiring talent, finding the key talent and, um, right. and people to work with and partner with um, was one of the decisions. And, you know, for some people, it's a lifestyle or some people, it's your access to your first market if your uh, plan is to sell locally. Um, but for us, autism is a very global um challenge and it's definitely not limited to Vancouver or Toronto and so the geographical restrictions in that area doesn't uh, factor into it as much. Yeah, interesting. You know, as you were talking about the uh, the connections to Toronto, about how easy it is to go and meet people and so on. I I uh, I hang out in the city of Fredericton, and um, you can you can have literally ten meetings in here here in a day easily, just because it's a smaller city. And I remember the first time I went to Toronto to start to have meetings. I said I can do ten of those easy because there's a lot of people. You know, very a lot a lot of people are there. I can meet these ten people. Oh my gosh, I I, I made it to like three meetings that day because I geographically didn't organize it all around the same spot. It was the West. It was the North. It was the South. So, uh, so yeah, great, great opportunity to do business in Toronto. There's no doubt about it. It's, uh, it's very cool. Um, talking about traveling, you continue to travel, uh, and you went to Tel Aviv in 2016 as the winner of the Startup Canada Start Tel Aviv competition. Can you talk to us about that and what lessons did you learn during your time there? You said 2016. That makes it sound like it was so long ago. That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I can uh, talk about Tel Aviv. So the uh, the competition, Start Tel Aviv itself, was hosted in, um, I think, 31 countries. And each country chose one representative to send to this like week-long boot camp, essentially, um, in Tel Aviv, which is... Uh, I think has the highest density of startups outside the Silicon Valley. I think they have one startup for every 290 people or something like that. And they wow. have a running joke that every time um, one of the the gentlemen who works in the city of Tel Aviv said every time he goes to sleep, he wakes up and there's another incubator because it's really just <laughs> growing that fast there. Um, yes. And so one of the things that I think was, was the most insightful about the Tel Aviv competition was... Um, the fact that in Israel, um, you know, they didn't have a lot of natural, uh, natural resources. Um, they couldn't really trade with their neighbors directly mm-hmm. around them. And so from day one, from, um, from really day one of the, of the country, but also from day one of, um, of, uh, the, technology development and and all these new startups, they have to think global. And they know that Israel is a very small place um, to actually sell to as a market. Um, And so they have to think very strategically about who their first market is going to be. And they know that it's not um, going to be Israel necessarily. And so, um, so choosing that first market is really important. And I think in Canada, especially, we're really, uh, it's really easy to say that our first market is our our local area, um, mm-hmm. whether it's Vancouver or Toronto um, or even the United States, you know, our first market is the people closest to us, even though that might not actually be um, the best people to sell right. to or the easiest 
people to sell to. Um, and, and in Israel, they have that mindset, you know, of, of identifying, really being strategic, you know, maybe Germany is the best place to sell to. And, and they have that ability um, and that uh, vision to actually consider it. Whereas here, you know, it's like, oh, our first market is Vancouver because uh, that's where we're based. Um, uh-huh. That's not necessarily true. Actually, there was a team or a, a, a person from Greece at Start Tel Aviv when we were meeting with some of um, the investors in that area. And they said, well, who are you selling to? And he was making this um, hydroponics uh, system, I guess. And he said, oh, you know, we're selling it in Greece. He's like, well, that's a terrible answer. Like, just because you're from Greece doesn't mean that um, the people in Greece are going to be the ones to buy it. or who want it the most, I guess. So, um, yeah, I think that's the, the biggest insight that I have is that you have to really be strategic. Um, if you want to compete on the global scale and you want to be able to scale fast, you have to find the people who want it the most. Yeah, I, I love that. Love it, love it, love it. Did you, as part of your homework, did you read Startup Nations before you went over? You know, actually, I was very fortunate enough. Um, so as part of this whole announcement for Start Tel Aviv, I met the ambassador of Israel to Canada nice. and um, Ambassador Raphael Barak. And he invited mm-hmm. me to lunch at his residence and he uh, gave me that book as a congratulations for winning it. And so I did I did read it and I read it while Fantastic. I was there and I got people to sign it who were there. Nice. Uh, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Yeah, it is a phenomenal book. Actually, uh, I've had uh, the the ambassador on and in our first season of uh, the podcast show and yeah he's just it was a brilliant brilliant conversation and again very passionate about what it is that he was you know his country and and the great stuff that they were doing so very cool um so uh, we talked about we talked about location and deciding where your best customers are versus where your customers where your customers are versus them being the best or not. Um, but I wanted to know uh, are there other things that entrepreneurs can leverage, young entrepreneurs can leverage, and make the most out of global opportunities? Um, definitely. I mean that there are more. Uh, or different sources of funding. There's research going on all around the world. Um, One of our first partners that we were working with on uh, planning how Reveal would fit um, to manage anxiety in a classroom situation was in the Netherlands. Mm. Um, One of the first places that we found funding was in Chile. and a lot of the people who have been reaching out to us really recently have been from Australia and um, from Mexico, which is, I guess, someone uh, there was an we had a news article or something in Mexico because we had a lot of Spanish emails all of a sudden. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. Um, but, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, finding the right partners. Um, This particular group in the Netherlands uh, has um, an educational system or these uh, schools that are set up in non-traditional educational ways to support people who the traditional school system has failed. And so they also have the resources to implement new technology and try it out to see what's best. Uh, The resources and the desire, I guess, to do that because not a lot of school systems are willing to, um, to change like that. So um, I would say 
like looking globally, uh, it's not only about funding and finding global investors, but it's also finding the strategic partners. And that's another thing also about uh, Tel Aviv and Israel is that there's a lot of uh, funds available um, because Tel Aviv is a huge or Israel is a huge R&D center. They do a lot of research um, and the the technology that comes out of there can fit into um, many different sectors. And so there's funds for Canadian companies to find a partner in Israel um, or in your country of choice and actually do the R&D together. And you grow twice as fast because you're doing your own R&D and they're doing theirs, but you have this agreement in place that you'll support each other and they get funded and you get funded. And um, and so you can move quicker together. And so finding those kind of strategic partners um, to grow your technology is also uh, a cool thing about thinking global. Mm, I love it. Is that, um, is that, uh, I mean, you've had global ambitions since the early days of Awake Labs. Uh, um, was that um, one of the reasons that you wanted to do that because of all the strategic partnerships that uh, were possible or, you know, why, why, why was going global the right decision for you? I think really the, Um, So I guess our very first decision to go global was really more on the funding side um, in Chile. Uh, But the, the, um, what am I trying to say here? Um, We recognize that. Sorry to interrupt. You talking about funding opportunity in Chile. Did you, uh, did you take advantage of the the startup uh, opportunity in Chile with your company? I did. Yes. We went through startup Chile. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's a great program. And interesting <laughs> enough, um, I've had, uh, I we interviewed, I interviewed the guy from Chile that runs that program and about three people who have listened to the podcast show, there's obviously more than do that, have written to me and said that they actually uh, applied and got accepted to that program because of uh, of what was on the podcast. And I hear it's a wonderful program. It really is. You know what? And um, so for us, we were going around Vancouver, we were in this place where we needed money to build technology and attract people, but we needed the technology to attract investors to get this money. And we were kind of going through this weird cartwheel somersaulting <laughs> discussions. And um, and then some friends from, from Santiago sent me a link and said, hey, you know what, you can get um, 10 million Chilean pesos, which is sounds really impressive, but it's around 19,000 Canadian <laughs> yeah. dollars um, yeah. to go down for this three-month program and the requirement is that you're based in Chile Um, and so I packed my bags and I moved to Santiago and um, it was an incredible incredible program Um, entrepreneurs from around the world I would say half of us were uh, from Chile and the other half were from um, I think there were four girls from Africa Um, there was uh, ten or so from Europe um, some from Australia all over the place um, and really it gave us the startup capital to build a, an initial prototype and to hire some people and to wow. experience another culture and figure out how your company can um, can work in in that type of environment so um, mm, yeah it. it was it was exactly what we needed at the exact right time ladies and gentlemen it's the time where we need to take a very quick break but we will be right back with more from our amazing guests stay tuned Canadian-born business One by Sun creates and sells a unique collection of printed yoga mats, tote bags, pouches, and prints 
from original hand-painted designs to customers across Canada, the United States, and Australia. When their products are out for delivery, it's important for their customers to have total visibility to ensure their packages are delivered on time, no matter where their customer is located. UPS Canada helps customers track their shipments 24 hours a day, seven days a week, while co-owners Evangelina and Jamal can focus on growing their business. Join the UPS Small Business Program to get support on your unique supply chain needs. Plus, save 40% off shipping. Visit ups.com forward slash my business. Scotiabank understands what's involved when businesses first open their doors and the support that's needed to keep them open. They are helping customers respond to the speed of business, making it easier for entrepreneurs to open their accounts and apply for business loans online in minutes. To learn more, visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business. Thank you to our sponsors, and we are back. Yeah, those it's it's just you know the Chileans, uh, Chileans. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Just a brilliant, brilliant uh, organization or uh, country to realize the uh, the power of doing something like that, and they've thrown themselves right into it. They just do a great job. So that's really cool. So I I digressed a bit about uh, about uh, about your company about making the decision to go uh, global. Can we? Can you scoot back on that one? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Yeah, definitely. Going global, the right decision for you. Um, we just we realized that you know autism and and the other areas of the technology could really be applied, which is really uh, any neurological disorder, um, whether it's autism, ADHD, um, dyslexia, or dementia, which is a really growing problem, Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, they're all. Uh, global challenges. It's not one country. It's not Canada, um, you know, that needs to address this on our own. Uh, Mm. There's phenomenal research being done Mm. in Japan on supporting seniors and, um, and kind of making senior care cheaper and easier and and more efficient um, through different types of automation and technology. And so if we could, um, you, integrate reveal into into some of those fields and then that should be our plan because that's where that's where all the resources are going and so um cool. yeah it was really more of a where is the problem oh it's everywhere okay we'll yes. be a global company yeah yeah fantastic so uh you talked a little bit about using the uh, the startup chili opportunity to to fund your uh, your business what are some other uh, funding strategies that you've used to to launch and, and grow awake labs um so so far we've raised a small friends and family um mm-hmm. round uh we have some investment from the next 36 i also went through the next 36 program here in toronto and uh we were very fortunate to get an irap grant um nice. early on from the national research council and we use my tax um, bc has a few different grants the bc innovation council gives Love out it. to hire co-op students yeah. um for companies to really leverage that so um, uh, using um, student brains, I guess, through co-op and mm-hmm. MyTax. Uh, we have a phenomenal data scientist who um, is studying applied mathematics at UBC and is working on their PhD. Um, and then IRAP allowed us to also support a number of um other researcher, I guess, employees of the company doing research um, or doing R&D work. Um, so it's leveraging government grants, friends and family. And then now we're looking for more traditional uh, funding in order to grow even further. 
And what is what has been your experience like uh, with that? What what are some takeaways as you're advancing your your funding strategies? What's uh, been your 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 takeaways from those experiences? I'd say you really have to start early. Um, not a lot of investors will meet you and write a check right away. You have to <laughs> think of your timelines, um, and that closing funding rounds doesn't happen, um, you know, in a month once you start talking to them and you go through the due diligence and everything um, before a check's actually in the bank. It's quite a long time. And so you have to understand what those look like and work that into your strategy. Um, But also a lot of investors and particularly uh, more institutional investors uh, like VC firms, they like to follow a company's progress before they right. they will actually invest, and so you need to build that relationship and um, and maintain it and keep them updated with what you're doing before you ask them for funding, um, because that's really they they need to know who you are and they need to know that you make smart decisions, I guess, before they'll consider. Um, even investing in you. So uh, that piece, it takes a lot longer than people than people realize. And the um, keeping them updated is, is incredibly important in maintaining those relationships. Um, but also I would say you have to network like crazy and it's really a full-time job to fundraise. Um, I was meeting recently with uh, the head of 500 Startups Canada. Yes. And he was asking me about who I talked to. And I was like, oh, you know, we're in early talks with a lot of people and um, going through. And he was like, oh, well, you should talk to this person. I was like, oh, well, actually, I met this person through he's the estranged cousin of someone else that I happened <laughs> to meet on here. And he, you know, sent out this email saying, hey, you should talk to this person. And then he's like, oh, you should. um you should meet with uh, this group. And I said, oh, well, my aunt's friend uh, drove <laughs> me from this place to this place and then made that introduction for me. So it was, nice. it was crazy how um, these these uh, little introductions and networking yeah. things happen all the time. You never know who the people you're talking know. to know. Yep. And so you really have to... Um, uh, I guess, you know, just be open to everyone you meet and, and be willing to share your story. And if you're open and friendly and um, then they're willing to help you along your journey if they like what you're doing. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sure you find that too. I know I find it is that people in our space, the entrepreneurial space, are usually very open to being helpful to help people that are on their own entrepreneurial journey. So that, that's very cool. You know, there's a, um, uh, I'm a big fan of the leadership guru, John Maxwell, and he talks about uh, about one of the things that he focuses focused in on early in his career is asking this one simple question, who do you know that I should know? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So important. You know, if you end a conversation, who's the next person I should talk to or who are the three other people who you think I should talk to and can you introduce me or where can I find their emails? Um, But asking for those warm introductions, I think, is so important because uh, cold email doesn't really get you anywhere. Uh, We were trying to we were trying to reach this one investor for a long time by cold emailing him. And then um, all of a sudden we got a warm introduction just out of the blue. And I was like, yes, this is perfect. This is exactly what we needed. (laughs) <laughs> That's so crazy. Very cool. So, uh, do you have uh, do you have any mentors, Andrea? We do. I personally yeah. do, and the and the company does. Okay. So, uh, without telling their names, what's uh, why did you choose the mentor that you chose for you? 
Mm. Um, why did I choose this person? So it was. <laughs> I was just wondering why. <laughs> he, he's probably saying the same thing. Like, mm, why? Why did we even start talking? Um, I think it was. It was really a connection, more about who that person was rather than mm. like what their background and experience was. Yeah. Um, although that was definitely a factor, and I think. Um, he would probably say the same about me that we found each other interesting to talk to. And if there was someone who I would go to bounce someone I needed to bounce ideas off of, um, and to, you know, kick you in the pants when you need it, uh, having someone that you, um, appreciate as a human, um, and as their accomplishments is, is really important. So I would say for my personal mentor, that was probably it. We just, we got along very well. Um, and we both respected each other's achievements and, and saw, um, what, we were capable of and, and, uh, and how we could move forward, um, how we could support each other. Uh, because I, I, when I'm looking for a mentor, I'm looking for someone who wants to, uh, learn and grow as well. Not just someone who thinks they know everything, um, because I don't respond very well to, to know-it-alls, I guess. Um, uh, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. uh, that was definitely that quality of, uh, of being a learner, um, was another piece that we connected over. And, and so um, this individual is your personal mentor and is he also a mentor for the business? Yes. Okay, cool. Cause I was going to, I was going to ask why didn't they, but that's obviously the case. So how do you, how does that mentor, mentor, mentee relationship, what does it look like from a, uh, you know, uh, connecting? Do, do you have homework? You know, how does that relationship look uh, between the two of you? Um, to start, it was, uh, I, I managed to somehow get a lot of his time. Um, and <laughs> I would. Because uh, you were interesting to talk to, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, or he thought I needed a lot of help, one or the <laughs> other. <laughs> uh, but we would have weekly meetings, um, usually on the weekend, and between two to three hours of um, kind of going through our strategy um, and figuring out, you know, how I can grow my personal brand because the company's brand is so in line with that. Um, and then talking about, um, my challenges within, um, coming from an engineering background and all of a sudden having to do all this business stuff that I didn't know of before. And, um, yeah, just a whole bunch of, uh, different things. So between two to four hours on a weekend of someone who works more than full time already, uh, was very, very generous. Um, and then I also had the ability if I was freaking out about something just to call him or send him a text and be like, what do I do in this situation? And that happened once I was walking down the street and I remembered to follow up with this potential investor, sent him an email and he was like, Hey, can't meet next week, but come to my house for dinner tonight and we'll talk. And I was like, what tonight? That's in two hours. And so I went to the liquor store and I called my mentor and I was like, what do I do? What do I say? How do I ask for money? All of these things. And he was like, okay, well breathe. And I was like, what type of booze do I get? Do I get, get beer? Do I get wine? Do I get red or white? And nice. all of these things. Um, nice. And you just like walked me through it very calmly. And I think having someone that you can, um, you know, go to when you're in your state of panic, who can either, um, you know, pump you up or support you or calm you down or whatever you need in that moment is, is so important. And, um, and yeah, that's, that was 
that's part of our relationship, I guess, is yeah, uh, no, being able I, I to do it. that. So how, what's the best piece of advice that he's given you so far? Um, so when I was thinking about this question, uh, the best piece of advice I think I got from mentor was not necessarily from him, although he said it in a few different ways. Um, but it was really having uh, a board of advisors, whether formal or not, um, just experts or people who have been there before you can go to um, is very important because if you have, say, one person who's a neuroscience expert who's been in the industry for 30 years, you and your team can be working on this one question, um, but collectively you probably have, what, five years of experience together? Whereas if you have this advisor or mentor on board who you can reach out to, um, all of a sudden you have 30 years of experience in that one field. Mm -hmm. And so building out that network of people who have been there before, um, who are willing to give you their time, whether it's a lot of time, uh, like my personal mentor, or just a small amount of time to, to really just bounce ideas off of, is incredibly important. And so building out more of a scientific advisory board is something we're still working on. Um, right. But that you know, if we have a board of five people, maybe we could have 150 years of experience um, on that board. And uh, then we can grow faster because we have all of that knowledge to draw from. Great piece of advice. And you have obviously taken it because you have an advisory board, which this gentleman sits on. How how does that relationship uh, uh, operate within your uh, within your company? the board of advisors we don't have a formal board of advisors in the sense that we give them equity and you know we have advisory yep. meetings and stuff like that right. we have what we like to call our informal brain trust of advisors yes. and it's constantly growing um, and it's made up of business advisors and researchers and um, entrepreneurs people who have been there before um, and we just keep them updated every two to four weeks over email. And so we give them like business or product updates. And then at the end, I say, this is the one thing um, that you can help with right now. Do you have a connection to a great signal processing person or someone who understands, um, you know, these types of database structures and all of these things? And so there's just one question at the very end of the email, super easy to skim. And if they're able to contribute, um, they'll respond and... Mm. Uh, uh, it's a great way to also keep uh, potential investors updated so they know kind of what you're doing um, every month or every two weeks and uh, and they know what your challenges are. And then the next update, they can see if you manage to solve that challenge and then they, you know, become a little bit more interested to invest. So um, that's how we that's how we keep our brain trust uh, updated. And then if we do need someone, say we needed um uh, an expertise from a particular researcher, then we would reach out to them directly. Um, we haven't started getting people together yet, but I think that soon we we will, especially as um, the more complex systems start to come together, then mm-hmm. we'll bring some of our brain trust members together who can input on, on uh, similar things. Very cool. Brain trust. Remember that, folks. 
Brain trust. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Don't it works. steal it. It's ours. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I've shared That's, that with many people. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's 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 a it's a different way of ultimately achieving the same thing. But I so I, I love the informal piece of it, but also the formal piece of it. It's uh, it's it's very very well done. Congratulations on that. Um, so uh, you moved from. Are you originally from Vancouver? I was born in Ottawa, but I right. grew up in Vancouver. Okay, so you moved from Vancouver to Toronto, um, and uh, yes, that was 2016, such a long time ago. <laughs> so where's 2017 going to take you? Um, this year, we're going to we're going to ship our first product, and nice. um, we are going to have uh, a few different. We have big plans for 2017, let's just say that, but That's definitely cool. we'll be shipping, uh, which is like the big, the giant check mark. Um, yes. We'll be expanding beyond autism to other verticals. Nice. And um, and we have a few a few other plans that are not yet public. So uh, special stuff. I'll just share that one. Yeah, yeah that's very cool. So we have to stay in touch. Yeah. To do podcast stay tuned. show number two. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. On that note, do you have any final uh, comments uh, that you would uh, you would like to leave us with that uh, you think are pretty important? And remembering we've got you know entrepreneurs from all kinds of uh, various backgrounds across the country listening to this great show. Uh, do you have one thing that you'd like to leave with them? Um, if I, yes, I do. It would be to ask for what you want, um, but know why you're asking and who you're asking and what's in it for them. But um, I think as, as uh, entrepreneurs, it's very, as, as you're becoming more of a successful entrepreneur, you really have to, to um, hustle your way into things. And there are a lot of people who, who won't um, necessarily think of giving you opportunities that you want or need. And so um, even if it's super scary, uh, find the best person who could um, help you with something and ask that person. And if they say no, then you know, you're know you no worse off than you already were. Right. Um, but if they say yes, or they say no, but they could introduce you to someone else, then that's really how it goes. But you have to ask as step one. Um, and that's something that I'm still learning is how do I you know, approach this uh, very famous researcher or whomever um, and, and convince them that I'm important and that they should give me time and possibly money and energy. Mm. Um, but you do, you just have to figure out what's in it for them or what, what angle they're looking for and, uh, and make the ask because um, you'll be better off for it. So who do you know that I should know and make the ask? Do the ask. I love it. Well, Andrea Palmer, this has been just an incredible conversation. I can't thank you enough for your time. You're doing special stuff. You are special in uh, as an entrepreneur and what you're doing to contribute to journeys of entrepreneurs across the country. And uh, uh, just keep doing your magic. It's uh, been a wonderful, wonderful chat today. Thank you so much for having me, Rivers. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to more awesome entrepreneur content? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats and hashtag startup school, which you can 
catch every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Paul Stevenson, co-founder of ReferralMortgages.com, and you're listening to the Startup Canada podcast. You know, one of the questions we wanted to talk to you about is obstacles that you're facing as an entrepreneur. What I'm interested in is that, but as it relates to the dialogue around the Orleans Power Team, is there, is out of those discussions, is there any gems? Yeah, so for me, I would say the biggest... I guess obstacle or something that I, that has the OPT or the Orleans Power Team has, has helped me overcome is I was always striving for balance. So when I first got into entrepreneurship, I always heard about balance, work-life balance. Mm. You know, that's kind of when you're, when I was working at TD, they're like, oh, you know, we're very big on work-life balance. You have to have a balance, balance, <laughs> balance. And so I was constantly striving for this balance. And what I found is that I, I eventually flatlined. And I heard this great analogy right. where they said, you know, when things are balanced, the line is straight. You know, and when you look at a heartbeat, right. your, you know, your heartbeat is always going down, up and down, up and down. So I started to to try and, and at least try to achieve rhythm as opposed to balance. So love it. Yeah. So rhythm was one of those things. So now I always say people like, oh, how are things going? I'll be like, oh, I'm in a really good rhythm, you know, as opposed to like, oh, I'm feeling balanced, you know, dude, because yes, it's, I love it. You have the ups and downs, but understanding the fact that there's those ups and downs and riding that wave, it that is really the hardest obstacle. Yeah. And knowing that, knowing how to overcome that and having that support where you can go once a week and say, this is where I'm at. I'm on a downslope, you know, and then you have someone yeah. just say one thing or give you one different perspective on something and it, it kicks you right back into the upslope. So it's it's yeah. allowed me to find a better rhythm, but also get out of those slumps a lot faster. Yeah.